Hello and Happy New Year, 1980s movie retro lovers. We are back with a brand new calendar year. Obviously, we're going to have brand new podcasts rolling your way, brand new shenanigans on the book of the face. All kinds of things are going on. I, Corey, I predict that 2016 will be the biggest year yet for the 1980s movie graveyard. What do you think? Oh, I think that's possible. 2017. Oh, 2016 it was what? You're just calling it a rebuilding year or a growth the year? 2016, that's, that's not the peak yet. That's just uh, starting to get big. It hasn't gonna got hot yet. I think 2016 is the year of Harry's Razors, and 2017 mm. is the year of Dollar Shave. Okay, okay. I, I see the trajectory that you're uh, putting out there. Yeah, it feels great to be podcasting in the new year. This will actually be our first full year because, as everybody knows, 1980s movie graveyard the facebook page debuted in summer of 2015 and the podcast debuted in september of 2015 so this will be our first full year we'll be able to hit all those holidays and doing special shows and whatnot and surprise valentine's day shows already lined up yeah we already got a few things up our sleeves for 2016 don't we i do i got a big bicep up my sleeve i'm looking at it right now are you are you are you gonna flex it in the new year i'm flexing it right now Nice. So, is there anything else you wanted to get off your chest before we started the uh, the laser disc tonight? I gotta give a couple couple shills. Mm. Podcasters, I want you to listen to a Meat for the Beast podcast. Obviously, you you always gotta listen to our good friends, the Meat for the Beast, the Gory Detail Horror Show. I want you to listen to that one. Gory details, you gotta find them all out. And then on the Facebook, I want you to like the Jason Voorhees uh, Hall of Fame. That's right. We got some good friends over at the Jason Voorhees Hall of Fame, which is surprising because we haven't done a Friday Thirteenth film yet, have we? It's coming. It's coming. Trust us, fans. It's coming. Sadly, it won't be my favorite, which is Part Nine. But you right. know, we also want you to like the Cult Appreciation Film Society, Horror and Sons. Uh, let's not forget about Haddonfield. You know, give Michael Myers some love. Michael let's Myers get... has been huge for the growth of our show, so we have to give back to the Haddonfield and Michael Myers community for sure. Got to get over to the Italian Stallion page. Mm, Got to yeah. show Rock some love. Of course. Uh, you know, there's a lot of other ones out there, I and mean, we could be here all day. Uh, it's a Cruel World is a pretty good one. They're pretty helpful to us. A whole lot of fantastic uh, Facebook page. We've we've been really welcomed by the uh, Facebook community. The horror community on Facebook has really taken a liking to us. We have. I think they, uh, you know, they kind of appreciate the vibe that we got going on here at the 1980s movie graveyard. And hell, who wouldn't appreciate the 1980s movie graveyard? Because here, it's not about us. We're not uh, we're not here to hog the spotlight, Corey. We're here to shine a spotlight on all the great forgotten films of the 1980s that we love, and we know all our friends love out there in cyberspace as well. Ain't that right? But there was one guy that left rude messages. Mm. I'm going to need you to delete those, then I'm going to need you to contact him and take care of that. Well, I mean, (laughs) that's fine and all, but we've had literally, whether it be, you know, private messages, um, comments on our page like whatever you know huge compliments on our podcast which we generally appreciate you know literally i'd say we've talked to hundreds of people over the last few months and we're not going to let one bad apple ruin anything are we no and what we're going to maybe start doing here is 
you know, we give out the email address, but I get nowadays people don't want to take the time to write an email, but maybe before our next show, we'll post something on the book of the face. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, if you guys got any questions or comments, then we'll read them on the air. We could do that. And if you're someone out there listening in cyberspace, uh, maybe you found us through the IMDB community, which we are a part of, or maybe you found out about us from our Twitter uh, feed. Um, and you're not on the Facebook, like hit us up with the email, 1980smoviegraveyard at gmail.com. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. You know, if you have any comments, questions about the show or the page or anything like that. But most of all, we really would like to hear what are some of your favorite 80s movies and why. You know, um, the last few years, there's a lot of creative people out there, whether it be on YouTube or, you know, Vimeo or whatever. There's a lot of people making videos in their house where they pay tribute to their favorite films, showing off their memorabilia collections. Just, to, you know, people get really creative. We would love to see if you you have something out there that you would like us to take a look at. We'd love to see it. So hit us up at the 1980s movie graveyard at gmail.com. I'd rather they just email and say how great we are. I don't really give a shit what they have in their house. Right, right. But I, I would like to see because, because you know, I, I know how great you are, Corey. I don't need to hear other people tell you how great you are. This is true. (laughs) So with that said, would you like to go ahead and get the laser disc players spinning here tonight? (laughs) That we're gonna. Our most popular show of 2015 was, uh, it got close toward the end, but still overall was, oh yeah, boy, oh, was Death Wish 2 with that fat bag of crap Charles Bronson. Mm -hmm. So we're going to kick off the new year with another Charles Bronson movie. This one's called 10 Till Midnight. Welcome to the exciting world of the movies. Smoking is not permitted in this auditorium. It's the law. Certificates are available at the box office. Thanks for helping us keep the theater clean. As you exit the auditorium, please deposit litter in trash receptacles in the lobby. Please be considerate and don't talk during the show. That's right. 10 to Midnight is actually... You know, chronologically or time-wise, however you want to put it, is actually his next film after Death Wish 2. It's, um, I don't know if it's a second or third or what line, but it was his next canon film. So, we knew we had to track it down. We could have jumped straight to Death Wish 3, but, oh boy, oh, <laughs> he didn't make too many movies past, you know, the 80s or whatever. So, we want to kind of slow the roll down a little bit and savor it. Death, Death Wish 3 is coming. I'm very anxious oh, to yes. do that. It's coming. Don't worry, it's coming. We may make a flyer about it when we decide to do it. We might, because if we don't do that, I'm seriously going to be butthurt. Yeah, you probably would be. And somebody's going to be next. All right, so we have our Laserdisc slash DVDs paused on the MGM logo here for 10 to Midnight. Uh, On the DVD, it's at the four-second mark. Just the lion roaring is where we got it at. I'm going to say... One, two, three, boyo. And when I say boyo, hit play on your remotes there. Are you all queued up and ready, Corey? All right, I'm ready. All right. One, two, three, boyo. All right. Here we go. Classic MGM enslaved lion. Yeah. Next up, we're going to have the Red Cannon group 
film logo here. Interesting enough, on the Canon uh, Film Appreciation Society, I saw today a guy got a Canon logo tattooed onto his arm. That's fucking stupid. Oh, I think it's cool as hell. Okay. His old boy, oh, look at arthritis is sitting in. He's typing with a finger on each hand. <laughs> That's how men type, cousin. Men don't speed type. Okay, now I'm going to be the first to say it. I'm not going to make fat jokes because he's actually like, really thin here. Yeah, he is. Um, sickly almost. Well, I don't want to say sickly. But I, I like this movie because it starts out with Charles Bronson, a police detective, literally um, <laughs> sitting down, typing a report as a homeless man confesses to some fake murders. Did you pick that up, cousin? <laughs> I didn't. I like, he's probably typing up like his his resignation because this guy looks like he's about 73. He should start drawing a pension a long time ago. Yeah, and the other cop, because he wants to bullshit with Boyle here, he shoes the homeless guy out who was confessing to murders. What if that homeless guy was really killing people and they just... But, but that's just it. See, though, but he's t- if he would have said, I raped somebody, that would have been different. Oh, yeah. Boyle, yeah. Don't, he's only in them domestic violence uh, detectives. <laughs> yeah. Now, what you, they, they probably left off the part and he's like, look, come back when you've committed rape. Then I'll talk to you. <laughs> then I'll care about your crimes. There's a, there's a lot of people crammed into this uh, police station room here. And I think this is the only time we really see this police station. I think that was like just like an office at Cannon Films, to be honest with you. Probably was their office. Yeah. Ten to midnight. Ten to midnight is um jay lee thompson movie people don't know he was an old school director directed classic like the guns of uh navarone and then by the 70s yeah oh it's actually really good it's actually one of the big uh inspirations for star wars believe it or not Um, well now i absolutely don't want to see it but uh oh come on cousin you gotta have some love for the guns of navarone i don't like western movies it's not a western it's a war movie (laughs) i don't like war movies it's a good one though Man, I don't know. I'm not a war movie guy. There's only a few that I've kind of liked. I mean, same here. And Wilford Brimley as Malone. Before he retired to whore Quaker Oats. Yeah. First of all, we got to address something here, cousin. What What is um, Boyo Charles Bronson, what is his main character's name in Death Wish? I have no idea. I don't remember. You do remember because we say it all the time. Paul Kersey. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you meant in this movie. No, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Kersey. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't know his name in this movie. In this movie, it's Leo Kessler. Kessler. (laughs) They didn't want to stray too far from the Kersey sounding name, did they? Oh, he he ain't going to forget. There's the old shagging wagon. I know. And right off the bat, these are some good. Now, I did hear from the director of New Year's Evil. That canon, they would shoot the movie so quick that the editor, that the directors, like, they really wouldn't even be involved in the editing. And I think maybe this was the case with 10 to Midnight, because this has, has like, almost like an early 80s MTV cutting style, like some really good f- cuts in a flashback. I don't think 90-year-old J. Lee Thompson was cutting in this, <laughs> this grindhouse score with a bunch of fast-cutting, um, you know, editor, you know, edits and all that shit going in there. It took me a few minutes, but I was glad that they took the uh, the up tempo, like when they played the action music and all that. That dun 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 dun. That they reused the exact same score from their uh, earlier film. By earlier, I mean like two months earlier, Revenge of the Ninja. Yeah, truly grindhouse shit here. 
Now, the director of photography is Adam Greenberg, who I want to say... Let me click on the old IMDb here, because I want to say this is the same guy who filmed the first Terminator movie. This guy, this killer here who goes on a murdering rampage with a butterfly knife, you got to give this guy credit. He's going to commit murder, but he's putting on aftershave lotion, too. Oh, yeah. He's, he wants to smell good when he's chopping some bitches up for sure. This guy's, like, super creepy. And Do you watch American Horror Story, cousin? I saw the first season. I want to watch more, but I've only seen the first one. Last season and this season, I don't know the actor's name. Fans listening, he played Dandy in the uh, Freak Show episode. He's, if you really watch this movie and then watch that, that guy got a lot of inspiration, I think, from this character here. Either that or he's just a fucking weirdo, too. No, cousin, I got this. First of all, I think I walked past this movie theater one time I was on vacation. I'm pretty sure. But I gotta say, this girl in the striped shirt, I think, I'm not kidding you here, I think this is the hottest girl I've ever seen in my life. Like, when I was watching this the one movie... In the, first, the one in the white pants? Yeah, the one in the oh, white pants. Oh, God, she's got a dynamite ass. I, I mean, now this this kind of harkens back to Private Resort, where for some reason women just were hotter in the 80s, and their clothes made them look hotter than any girls now. Like, girls are more naked now, but no one looks that good. Like No. Yeah, this chick is a knockout. Yeah, and I kind of even like her weird, like, bowl-cut hair, to be honest with you. It works for her, if that makes sense. It does. Anybody, the only person that really looks bad with the bowl haircut is old poor little Billy there from us. I don't know, Deadly Night. (laughs) He he was going for the, oh, fuck, we got to talk about Billy some more. He was going for the bowl-cut mullet and shit. That kid, that kid was a fucking chud and a half. Yeah. This girl, yeah, I mean, her face is pretty good. Her hair is good 80s hair. But that top and those pants, I've, I'm not bullshitting you. I don't think I've ever seen anything better in a movie. Hmm. The only thing I don't that, know. The only thing that comes close is the lady from Private Resort when she's like in that see-through thing or whatever. That's a damn fine movie. It is. It needs to be a show. It, it does need to be an episode of the 1980s movie Graveyard. All right, so... The killer here, he's intentionally being obnoxious to these girls. Why? Because he has a master plan, ain't that right, cousin? Yeah, he's got to establish the alibi. Yeah. He's going... And it's easy. They'd be like, yeah, I remember this obnoxious jerk in a members-only coat. Yeah, because he's going to forgive a motherfucker in a members-only coat. Okay, first of all, I love how he pulls out the murder gloves in the bathroom, but he lays them on a filthy toilet seat first. Last word. I'm surprised. Well, doesn't he? No, he doesn't. He changes his clothes in his car, obviously, or yeah. takes off his clothes. But he should have gone into like a shit-filled bathroom and t- changed his clothes. Well, I was I was going to call you out with this shit-filled bathroom again. I don't think this is the I don't think this is the real bathroom at the movie theater that they were just at. Because I mean, I look look at outside. There's like a wall outside, and look, there's actually tin foil on the window of the movie theater bathroom. Like, why did they need to put tin foil on the window? In the in the like the bathroom of the movie theater with somebody that like you know could see in a window across the street where they like jerking off and watching men take a shit in this nasty bathroom at the movie theater. That that'd be my only thing. That's why Cursey be on the case. <laughs> Cursey is on the case. Yeah, I was right. I think the reason this movie looks so good is because Adam Greenberg shot it, and he shot not only Terminator but Terminator Two and Ghost and Rush Hour. I did not like Rush Hour at all. 
Well, it's a good thing you didn't like Rush Hour because that's a 1990s movie and we don't have to talk about it here. And then there was Rush Hour 2, which I liked that a little better because I think they let Jackie Chan handle more of the editing in that. Mm. And I don't remember much about 3, but for some reason I seem to remember that after Rush Hour, Chris Tucker became a Rush Hour exclusive. He did because that was the only thing he could pay $25 million a film for. And still not pay his taxes. Exactly. Now here we have the killer who we've now revealed this this killer's gimmick is he gets naked at the crime scene, right? Yeah, I'm assuming just so he doesn't get blood on his clothes. Yeah, so he doesn't get blood on his clothes. But this is also at a time before DNA. He kills the boyfriend. He's chasing the naked girl around the woods. I don't know if you remember this, but this is a time before they had DNA testing. I remember every murderer back then. They were all getting convicted on fibers. Remember they always talk about, oh, do we found the fiber? Yeah. Like, I guess we don't realize it because we're not murderers, but when we walk around every day, I guess our clothes drop little pieces of lint, right? Is that what it is? <laughs> well, then shouldn't he be fucked? There's got to be something in his belly button. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, also his toe prints are getting in this mud. Later, he leaves bloody toe prints all over a crime scene. But, um... What did you think of this opening? I wouldn't... It, I don't know. Would you call this a slasher movie? Kind of? No. I really wouldn't. I. But then again, I consider Cobra a slasher movie. Right. I mean, obviously... Because this, this is like... I would say where a slasher movie... Like, they, they relish in like how fun it is to kill girls. This one, I think kind of more than a slasher movie it makes you want to like feel sorry for the girls more wouldn't you say yeah because you would get no sympathy for this yeah freaky looking anthony Kiedis knockoff here he does look like it now i heard a lot of people say on the internet when i was researching this film a lot of people say they think this like character performance or whatever inspired american psycho do you really see that with this not at all yeah all right, here we have the killer. Now. I also think Americans like. Don't get me wrong; I liked it, but I think it's a really weird, disjointed book, and I think the movie is highly overrated. I think the book is really good, but I think it's one that's almost impossible to make a true movie adaptation of. If you know what I mean? Yeah, I just don't like the way that was Brett Easton Ellis. I don't like yeah. his writing style for some reason. I like his stuff. I like the movies usually that are made based on his books. All right, here we have the killer. Clawing back into the movie theater shitter, which when this movie theater comes out, I mean, when this movie theater, like the movie's over, you know how like a movie theater's like 20 guys got to go piss after the movie? You know, not Well, then again, look at this bathroom. They have like one toilet here, like a urinal and one toilet. Like how, there's no way that's the real movie theater bathroom, I don't think. Now, here's what I'm confused at. What year was Butch Cassidy and the Sundance film released? I think it was 1969, right? Yeah, why are they all at the the the, the prime time showing here? Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. It's not a new movie. Well, the one girl who I I wouldn't say she's not good looking, but the one that's not hot, she was telling the hot one, "Oh, I've seen it five times." So in the universe of ten to midnight, if it's a popular movie, it just plays for like sixty years. I guess <laughs> it's like the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah, got some great extras walking in the background of the scene, but. I really can't stop looking at that girl, honestly. Look at that. She is really cute. Yeah. I tried to look her up on IMDb, but uh, couldn't. didn't see her listed in the credits whatsoever. Because the, the girls actually you know, show up later in the movie for another scene, so you think they, you know, 
Oh, yeah, that's right, when he's being uh, interrogated. Because the IMDb credits even had the the girl at the movie theater who sells the tickets outside. They had her credit, but not the girls who was like actually have a bunch of lines. They must, they must have been a couple of cunts then if IMDb didn't even list them. Possibly. Here we get our There's first... Wilford Brimley. Yeah, first taste of Wilford Brimley, who actually is a good actor. Just, I was yeah. biased when I was a kid because he always did shitty oatmeal commercials. Yes, he did. Now, what do you think of this green water at this lake? Have you ever seen water that fucking green? I, I'm, I'm hoping it's the lighting. Yeah, it's like a jade-ass water river. There's old Grandpa Kersey. All right, now, cousin, I, I want to uh, ask you about something, because I don't think it's true. I read on IMDb, getting a lot of IMDb plugs in here, but it's okay. I read in IMDb that for this film, Boyo had plastic surgery... Because he felt the character should be younger because he was 61 when he shot this movie. Now, I'm looking at Boyle. I don't, he doesn't look like he had, A, he doesn't look any younger. B, he doesn't look like he's had any plastic surgery here. What do you think? Yeah. Boyle looks about 73 here. He looks like he should have already retired me on a pension. Yeah. And I get that he's he's perfect as older, but this, this young punk cop partner of his, he looks like he's 42. Yeah, the rookie cop, Andrew Stevens, he looks older. Andrew Stevens would go on to uh, do movies with Shannon Tweed in the 90s. <laughs> when, and uh, Kersey here, Boyo, he would just go on to do some more Death Wish and some rape movies. See, look at him looking there. He's like, I wonder if she was raped. Yeah, looking at Boyo there, he does. I, that to me, that doesn't look like a man. You're, you're seeing him in broad daylight. That doesn't seem like a man who's any weird. Because especially 1982 plastic surgery would really fuck you up more than it would make you look younger. He'd probably be looking like Mickey Rourke. Exactly. I mean, Mickey Rourke had 1995 plastic surgery. Look how that turned out. Who would win in a fight? Mm. Mickey Rourke or Boyo? Well, that's a tough one. You know what? It, okay, if you magically put them at the same age, like say when they were both 30 years old, Boyle was pretty tough in those old movies from the 50s and shit. He might win in a street fight. In a boxing match, obviously, Mickey Rourke is going to win because he's had some professional boxing experience. But, um, yeah. But, I mean, if Boyle really wanted to look younger in this movie, shouldn't he just dyed his hair? <laughs> Honestly. Well, probably. Yeah. Okay. Who would win in a fight? Mm. This Boyo in this movie, 78-year-old Boyo or Ronda Rousey? Oh. You know, I I really hate to say it because I hate to give a loser like Ronda Rousey any credit. Because she has lost a whopping one fight now in today's day and age. That means you're just washed up. Oh, they're already saying she's finished. Yeah, so, but... Just because youth would be on her side and stamina and whatever, I think, you know, if she was going up against 61-year-old Leo Kessler here, I think she would win. Yeah, I have to agree with you there. Now, we got to talk about this here, okay? Now we're getting into, you know, what the killer does for a living. He works in a giant office full of women who do nothing but type, and he's the guy who fixes the typewriters. I was going to say, is, is that his job just to fix the... That's what I got out of this. He's just yeah. a typewriter fixer dude. Because he has a special room where he wears a lab coat and gloves. And then he, you know, it turns out, we find out right here, that um, the the lady he was just fixing the typewriter for and basically blew him off as a creep. 
Uh, that's actually the roommate of the girl he killed out in the woods. So not only did he, you know, kill somebody he worked with, which that's a bad move right there. Boyo is going to be hotter on your trail much quicker if you kill a co-worker, right? Oh, yeah. Even hotter if you were raped first. <laughs> yeah. Or after. I don't think Boyo. Which, which okay. Let... Doesn't Boyo flat out ask? Didn't he flat out ask him, was there any penetration? Yeah, in the, in the morgue scene... <laughs> He just, because mm-hmm. my girlfriend was watching this movie with me for a little bit the other night. They're at the morgue looking at the chopped up body of the girl. And Boyle makes a weird, like, uh, uh, st- he, he asked something about, was there any penetration? Like, was there a rape? And the, the corner mm-hmm. guy says no. And then Boyle just blurts out, his knife is his penis. He's got to justify to get on the case. <laughs> that's just a weird... That's just a weird thing to proclaim. Well, I'll tell you here is, you know, they're driving... Oh, no, wait. They're, they're driving to this this girl's parents' house, you know, so they can tell the family, you know, even the, the police don't work fast. It, I think it's already been past the day, but they're driving through this old neighborhood, an old senile boy they're like, oh, wait, we got to go to this house. I know this girl. She's friends with my daughter. It's like, okay, you know her name. You saw her dead body a couple times, and you had now just put two and two together. You know her? Yeah. And he's a detective? <laughs> he just now is realizing that the chopped up body he saw was for, uh, a, you know, a childhood friend of his daughter's, which I got to say, I got to say what's funny about this scene was when they were driving in the car. They were driving through Studio City. Like, I know that street very well. And then when, like, they cut to the shot of, like, the ghetto, that, I don't know where that ghetto was, but that was nowhere near where they're driving around here. Well, then he was telling you they let this guy out because he was insane and then he went and killed somebody else. But, yeah. yeah, here it is. He's like, wait a minute, I know this neighborhood. Oh, man, this girl, it's like, okay, you've been looking at her dead body, fantasizing about knifing her with a penis. I mean, yeah. He, I don't get it. Like he totally didn't recognize the girl until he realized what house they were going to. It made no sense. Yeah. No, and that's a detective. I wouldn't want him on my case. Then he makes the other guy sit in the car. He's probably like, "Okay, there's no steps. My hip can handle walking up here." <laughs> I mean, how is he going to handle like witness recollections of what the guy looked like and shit? I mean, even if they give him like a little drawing to go after, he's going to go find somebody completely different based on where they lived. <laughs> Yeah, he's gonna be like, I don't, I don't need a mugshot. I need to know her address. I gotta <laughs> yeah. look at the house. Yeah. Which, by the way, I, I found it weird that he goes in the middle of the day, and the mom here, who looks like Betty White, is like dressed all nice, like she's been baking. The dad looks like a homeless. Man. <laughs> well, he apologized. Though. Remember, he yeah. said, "I'm working the night shift." Oh, okay, that's why he was still in a bathrobe and all. You know. That's How long it. was he there? I mean, it was sunny. Now it looks like he's getting ready. It's dusk. <laughs> Yeah, that's not a street you want to live on right there. Nice houses, but damn, it's right next to a busy-ass street. If I was his partner, I'd be like, God damn, would you have Danish? Leave me in this fucking car in the heat? Which, by the way, one of the pieces of dialogue there, and you notice, like, Andrew Stevens almost chain-smokes his way through this movie, even when he's trying to pick up girls and shit, but he starts smoking, and Boyle makes a remark, of he quit smoking. Okay, in 1982, what 60 year old man quit smoking? Like that they just didn't, didn't happen. Yeah, yeah. No, people smoked till they died back then, or they didn't smoke at all. You know what I mean? 
I'm assuming Boyle's in this movie. I think it's early stages of dementia or something. Yeah. Now, by the way, here we are at the apartment where these two girls live. This is a huge apartment for Los Angeles. Huge. I mean, this even back then, this had to be too expensive for working people to afford. Yeah, their apartments there are pretty high, aren't they? They're really high, and like a lot of them were... Uh, Honestly, a lot, you know, unless you go to, like, a, some super, like, fancy place that's, like, modern and new, most of the apartments in L.A. were built in the 40s, 50s, and 60s, back when people built, like, tiny rooms and shit, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you would, you would never, that's why I'm thinking this is, like, a soundstage or something, because you would never really see a fucking apartment with huge, I mean, that's, like, probably, what, like, a 30-foot open window there? Yeah, that's pretty... Boyle, he's just walking. Look, the Boyle's checking her ass out like, oh, someone's going to rape you if you keep walking around like this. <laughs> In these tight shorts. Okay, what do you think, though, about Charles Bronson's acting? I actually thought his acting, considering this was filmed only like six months after um, Death Wish 2, I think his acting was way better in this one. Because like, he actually, during most of the scenes, he actually has like some different inflections in his voice. He has some personality. Death Wish 2, he was like in a weird, smiley, like, I don't know, days. It's probably happy. Happy doing this movie, you think? No, doing Death Wish. We're rape. <laughs> yeah, okay. Look, here we are at the funeral scene, and uh, Boyo's daughter is here. And I was like, oh, she's she's. Kind of, I mean, she, this movie is a parade. Yeah, this movie is a parade of hot women. She's she's cute. It, I was like, I know her, I know her. That's the girl from uh, Beverly Hills Cop that we were drooling over the whole time we did that show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have to say, she's nice looking in here, but I think she got a whole lot hotter in the two years, in be- or maybe one year in between this and Beverly Hills Cop. She clearly didn't go to Boyo's plastic surgeon. <laughs> no. Okay, you see that extra just walk right in front of the camera there, and they yeah. cut to another. <laughs> they yeah. go smoking another cig. Yeah, which, I mean, I do remember the 80s, and I know you do too, Corey. Like, people did smoke very casually. It wasn't like now where if you smoke around somebody, they act like they're coughing and dying. But at the same time, like, you, you still wouldn't smoke right in someone's face like that, would you? I mean, he's like a foot away from her fucking face. Uh, yeah, I used to. Not in the 80s, and I was yeah. too young, but I smoked in the 90s. Yeah, I used to stand right next to people and smoke. <laughs> but people you just met for the first time, you didn't know? <laughs> I would usually say, do you mind? Because I mean, no one's going to say no, and even if they did, then they just have to live with it. Yeah. Now I'm that person that acts like I'm coughing because I think it's a filthy, disgusting habit and it stinks. That's my problem with it, honestly. It's just It just smells too bad. I mean, people want to get a cheap nicotine high. That's their bit. But like, don't you think cigarette technology should have improved by now to where it wouldn't smell as bad? That makes no sense. You would, you would think. And then all them idiots buy those electronic things now. Yeah. But everybody I've ever seen that was a smoker try the electronic ones, they just go back to regular cigarettes after a couple months. Yeah. If you want to quit, you just throw them away. Cold turkey is the only way to quit smoking, fans. That's right. Just finish the pack and be done with it. That's what I did. Threw them away and then DT'd for about a week. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine. Now, here we have uh, Bronson's daughter actually just come up to the... Um, the killer guy here who's at the funeral. Now, why do you think the killer was at the funeral? Do you think he just wanted to, like, get off on the reactions of everybody crying and shit of this girl he killed? No, I think he's stupid because, you know, clearly, like you said, you know, you know, he worked with her. She didn't like him. Nobody there likes him. 
Uh-huh. And he goes to, it wasn't like, nobody must have liked the bitch. She had about six people at her funeral, and two of them were cops. A couple of them were family. She mustn't have been a well-liked person. Yeah, no kidding, because she worked in an office of, like, we saw, like, probably about 60 women, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now, the the roommate of the girl, um, they put her, like, on the cover of the movie, and, like, I've seen, like, other pictures that keep showing her, like, why do you think that girl, you know, she's not, like, a main character, why do you think the roommate was, like, on all the posters and shit? Wouldn't, shouldn't they put Boyo's daughter on there? I think it was probably just a mistake. Cannon did everything so fast and rushed. Yeah, that could be. See, and they had said that, <clears throat> excuse me, fans, they had said that that girl, what they basically implied was she was just a big whore because she yeah. kept a record of every guy she'd been with. Well, so, yeah, like he's going in to break in to try to get that diary. And it was the dad that said it, which was even creepier. She kept a diary of every man she's been with. It was too many. <laughs> yeah, the dad said that at the funeral, which the dad knowing that information is very bizarre, but the idea that he Boyle, would be blurting it out at the funeral, that's even well, strange. was over there smiling like, maybe she wrote down that she was raped. <laughs> yeah, boy, I was like, well, that's some hot evidence. Now, the killer, like, literally runs directly from the um, funeral here to break into the apartment. And, uh, but now this scene, because they show him a lot from the side... From the side, this killer guy reminds me of Josh Brolin a lot. He actually reminds me a lot more of Josh Brolin than uh, Christian Bale, to be honest. Yeah. Josh Brolin, probably, even still, I think he's a very good actor. He'd probably make a good serial killer in a movie. Oh, I think he would. Now, the killer keeps trying all these different kitchen knives to try to pop open this little like dresser drawer locked... Um, and he came in with a screwdriver. That's the sturdiest of all of them. Yeah, because that ain't going to bend and shit the way those oh. knives are. But uh, but don't you think you could have just with your hands, like, pushed against the dresser and with your other one just ripped that shit oh, out? Easy. Put your hand underneath and just pull. Or at the very least, I would just, if I honestly, if I was him and I wanted to get in and out of there and not get caught, I just would have stole the whole dresser. Honestly. I was going to say, how much could it weigh? Leave the, take the lamp, too. <laughs> yeah, take the lamp, too. Like when Homer got uh, sequestered for jury duty, he was stealing the bed, the TV, everything. <laughs> yeah, he was. Now, here's where the roommate who's featured on all the advertising for some reason, um, I guess she kind of does look like Bronson's daughter. Maybe that's why they got mistaken. But she's walking around and like, I don't even know what you would call that. That's not, what is that, lingerie underwear that she was wearing on her funeral? It's like one really piece. Know. It's like, I don't know what it is. It's almost like an oversized robe. It's like kind of like a robe more than anything. But I'm talking about what she's wearing underneath that blue thing. Because she had that underneath her clothes. It's like a bathing suit lingerie. Yeah, I dated a girl that used to wear them. It's like a, almost like a corset. Is it? It's weird. Yeah. She's hot too, though. Yeah, she is. She needs to trim her eyebrows a little bit. Yeah. I think some kinda better like, hair. Well, I'm, I can't get past the the baby. She's Eugene Levy's daughter there with them eyebrows. Yeah. Well, Killer was watching, um, what's that little drawer thing built into the wall back there next to the bedroom? Is that where you're supposed to put the telephone? Maybe. It's weird. It's <laughs> weird how old buildings like this would have shit built into like the walls, like little fixtures where you're supposed to put shit. There's fucking bottles of wine that bitch had in there. Well, there was two single girls that lived here, so women just drink wine nonstop. 
This always annoyed me too. People in the middle of the day eating breakfast. Well, she did come from a funeral, so it could still be like really early. You know what I mean? Could be like you eat breakfast before eight a.m. Actually, to be honest with you, I only eat breakfast usually at dinner time. To be honest. See, Jamie can eat. That's my wife's name, fans. She can eat breakfast like she eat pancakes and shit. You know, for dinner. To me, that just that just weird. That's usually the only time I crave that food. Usually, because it's most breakfast food is so dessert like. Okay, here we have. See, the- now I can eat my peanut butter bacon sandwiches at any time, but oh, that's yeah. about it. But that's not even really breakfast. That's just peanut butter, and some bacon. All right, he he got naked to stab her in the kitchen. Then he runs back naked again. This is I will say this naked angle of this killer. Uh, it it makes him more disturbing. I think when you see him doing shit, like it makes him seem more crazy, don't you think? Yeah, and plus, like you said, he was. This was also probably his audition tape for cruising. Yeah, it was. Even though cruising was made two, uh, three years earlier. Oh, was cruising before this? Yeah, cruising's nineteen eighty. What do you think of cruising? Honestly, I love it, and let me tell you why. It has nothing to do with the whatever you know the gay angle. Like that movie was on cable a lot, like recently, and I kept making my girlfriend watch parts of it. The actual slasher parts, and nothing scares me in movies, but the actual slasher parts in that movie, they're genuinely scary, I think. I think the movie's okay. I mean, like, I would definitely do a show on it. I bought it, but I don't have the... It's not in my top ten favorite list. Oh, no, nothing like that. But for a movie that's, like, known as being, like, protested and all this shit, it's it's good, I think. It was when Al Pacino was still a real actor, too. Oh, he's still a real actor. What are you talking about? He's no, doing, he's not. He's doing Shakespeare in the park. Nah, he quit being a real actor after Godfather 2. All right, now we see the killer's apartment. Well, we saw it right, right in the very beginning real quick. We see a little more here. What do you think the killer's apartment? It's, it's kind of like, um, almost like a studio apartment almost. It it's seems a, like. It's a shithole, and if you look at the outside of it, it's like he's living in a warehouse. Yeah, it's like all brick and shit. I think I think the brick living room looks kind of like cool, you know. But the, like, look at that refrigerator. That's like a nineteen forties fucking refrigerator. I said that's one of them old lead line refrigerators. Yeah, he's all casual. I mean, I give him credit. He's kind of keeping his cool. He's putting away his groceries. Because Boyo was really grilling him about, did you date this girl? And he says, oh, we went on one date. And then Boyo really starts digging, like, oh, how come only one date? And, you know, it's just like. What, like he should have been up front with Boyo and said, "Well, she wouldn't put out Boyo. That's why you don't keep dating." <laughs> you know. No, then he'd have been like, "Well, have you ever heard of this concept called rape?" And it's weird that Boyo pulls out a piece of evidence, the diary, and starts reading it like right in front of him. Yeah, well, he's senile. He's a horrible cop. You know, he really is a horrible cop. You got to admit oh, it. Oh, he is. He is. I mean, you know what's funny is like he's botching this investigation left and right already. But I have to admit, his police work gets even worse later on, and we'll get to that. <laughs> I'm, I still can't get over that he's seen this dead body. I don't know how many times. Oh shit! This is my daughter's friend when he sees the house. Yeah. What do you think of Boyle's skunk streak hair? Do you think he dyed it up that way or that was, like, natural? I think it's natural. Because I got I to gotta admit, I, I, I finally got, a, like, a couple little gray hairs in the front of my hair. And, I, like, I kind of hoping I'll eventually develop a skunk streak like Boyle's got here. 
if I still had hair and mine started turning gray, I'd just start coloring it like Ric Flair. Would you? I just walk around. My kid walks around now and goes, woo, because I guess Flair was on Raw the other day or something. Yeah. And so now my kid plays with his figures. And we were playing, he got an air hockey table, and every time he would hit a goal, he'd be like, woo, woo, woo. <laughs> He's styling and profiling. Have you watched the new, I got to take a break from boy, have you watched the new Deadpool trailer? Yes, I have. It's great, ain't it? Well, I let my kid watch it, and I even promised I'd take him to see it. And he says, can I say one of the lines from the movie, or from the trailer? And I was like, I don't know. What do you want to say? And he's like, the F word. <laughs> and I was like, uh, once. And he, he, like, slapped his hands together, and we were playing foosball. And went, time to make the chimmy fucking chongas. <laughs> Did you make sure your wife wasn't around? No, I I said, go say that to mom because she laughed too. (laughs) That's funny. Yes, that trailer looks awesome. You know what's funny is the more trailers and the more R-rated trailers they they put out for that, the more the backlash is growing from the nerd comic book movie community, especially from the female fans of X-Men, which I got to say, stay the fuck away. We don't need you. Did you notice it's no longer less angry Rosie O'Donnell? It's Jose Canseco. Yeah, but I, was that a different scene? I wasn't sure. Like yeah, that's the same. I know they said a few months back they were worried about potential lawsuits. So that's funny because, like, if you look at all the trailers for Deadpool, like it almost seems like they're just dubbing the lines over the movie. It doesn't seem like they're really saying that. Well, it's okay. Who's, okay, look, okay, look at who's boy. hotter. Who's hotter, Gina Carano or Ronda Rousey? Oh, by far, Gina Carano. This, real, real quick, going back, we'll talk about Gina Carano in a second. Real quick, did you see Boyle found a masturbation machine in the guy's bathroom? <laughs> I know, and, and here's what's weird is he either, when they arrest this guy, goes back for it or he steals it. <laughs> yeah, he steals it, and, and like it's not an evidence in the case. He just throws it out on the table on an investigation. He was so disturbed. Like, when he found that masturbation machine... Like, by the way, I don't even know what... For people that don't have the DVD, because I have a feeling not a lot of people are going to, you know, listen to this commentary DVD. I don't know what... It looked almost like a giant air horn with, like, a elephant trunk. I thought it looked like a foot. Yeah, it looked like... I don't get how you masturbate with it. I don't get... If David Lynch come out with a line of sex toys... It would have been that fucking nightmare thing. And it had a like a electrical cord plug on it. When you plug it in the wall, what the fuck is that elephant looking well, foot trunk thing going to do to It looked like it would hurt t- you. <laughs> like in Top Secret when he had that big thing that he had to plug in. Yeah, like what, what? I mean, it was large too. I mean, like you wouldn't need like two, you know, two hands to hold it like. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how you would use it, but old Boyo knew it right away. He even shows him when he throws at him. You use this for jerking off. And like, right when he found, okay, Charles Bronson, getting back to him being a shitty detective. Because keep in mind, he, he, at this point in the story, he actually not even circumstantial, not even, you know, witness anything. Like he actually has no evidence against this guy, but he's convinced he's a multiple serial killer because he found out the guy jerks off. He, he, he took it to another level. He bought a jerk-off foot machine. <laughs> this guy, okay, yeah, this is where he pulls up. This guy jerks off with a rubber foot hooked up to an air horn. <laughs> he yeah. must be a multiple killer. 
Yeah, I mean, I keep, I, I even shows it to him. Yeah. First of all, Which, why Boyle had to go it? through like his cupboards and shit to find that. <laughs> it's not like the guy had it sitting out on the table. If, to me, if you find somebody's jerk off machine after searching laboriously in a, in a bathroom, that's on you. That, that shouldn't even be allowed to be used in a court. I don't know about you, but would you keep your jerk-off machine in the cupboard under your sink? No. And did you see there was, like, a jerk-off mag on the back of the toilet? But it looked like a guy, like, turning around. Yeah, it it almost did. I'm surprised they didn't go the homophobic route here and have Boyle accuse him of being gay, too. (laughs) Yeah, like one of them beefcake magazines. You're about to get it. I, if I was that guy, I'd have been like, why'd you steal that? <laughs> yeah, like, and, and the guy, when he leaves, he, well, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Let's just hold on a second, wait for Boyo to pull it out. But Boyo's, like, interrogating this guy, asking him all kinds of improper questions right in front of any other guy, like, from the district attorney office. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's like, the DA ain't going to help you when he knows you're breaking laws and illegally searching and seizing this guy's property. Yeah, he. it's not like he had a search warrant and he actually just stole the guy's jerk-off machine. <laughs> now he's bringing up stuff when he was a juvenile. Yeah. Yeah, apparently the killer when he was 12 threw a dead cat through a window. And Boyo is convinced that means... See, here. okay, here's the here's the hot girls. She's back how in did they get? How did they get these hot girls? What did they do? Put, put an ad out on TV? If you've seen this guy at the movies, I mean, how do they know who to look for? Well, that was the thing, was that was the... Uh... The guy, like the killer guy's alibi for that killing he did that day was all these girls saw me at the theater, but no one who knew who those girls were, right? No, obviously the other guy's a better detective. If you notice, the the Wilford Brimley there keeps asking the other guy what he thinks. Yeah. Well, why is Wilford Brimley's hair so disheveled in this movie? Look like he just woke oh. up. So is his mustache. Yeah, his mustache is like all kinds of fucked up and lopsided. I hate people that grow a mustache and they grow it over their lips. Mm. Yeah, you're supposed to trim it like so it ain't you know ain't getting away. Now, did you notice that the one girl here, the less hot girl, she was actually very attracted to the killer because the hot girl kept mm-hmm. assaulting him, saying he was a creep and all this bullshit. She was like, "Nah, he's all right. Oh, he was a nice guy. I liked him." Yeah, she like she wanted to go back to his creep joint. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he did have a creep <laughs> joint too. Oh, Gene Davis. We should say Gene Davis is playing the killer here. Warren Stacy. Gene Davis, the brother of Brad Davis, who was in Midnight Express. Okay, Boyle's there look, is. Look, Boyle's playing the bass card. Use this for jerking off, don't you? Explain <laughs> to me how to use it. Yeah, exactly. It almost looks like an electric carving knife you would carve a turkey with, but instead of where the blade is, there's like a weird ear foot apparatus that you. See, I was going to say it looked like a thermos. <laughs> And did you notice Bronson had Look no... at him. He's grabbing him by his neck, shoving, shoving. Look at these dirty pictures. <laughs> Look at this jerk-off machine. Okay, and the guy just leaves. Wait, no, wait a minute. No, Bronson just showed him the pictures of the murders. So right. he's actually showing him crime scene photos. Exactly. And the jerk-off machine. Like, that's his smoking gun is... We got pictures of dead bodies in a jerk-off machine. We know you did it. That makes right, no well, sense. Those are our pictures from the police holding... Yeah, but he jerks off with this. Yeah, I mean, Bronson is the most irrational, like, whatever, because he, he actually does have an alibi. Like, Brimley says, we got these girls who say he was there. Bronson don't want to hear it. He found the jerk-off machine. That's like the smoking gun right there. He's, he's like, let me, let's bring him back in. Let me have some more time with him. Yeah, he's begging to have more time. But they, honestly, like, they never, um, Bronson with that jerk-off machine interrogation, like, 
they never caught him in any lies or anything. No, and then even the DA is like, I can't, I can't, you got nothing on this guy. Yeah. I actually thought this, I have no clue who this guy is, the DA guy, but I actually thought he was like a good actor for his small part. Like, he actually seemed believable. Yeah. She's cute. She is really cute. Here she comes. She wants to talk to Charles Bronson and like whoever, you know, I don't know what you call him, the desk sergeant or whatever, like basically this receptionist cop. He refuses to summon old Boyo there because he doesn't believe that Boyo has a daughter. No, plus Boyo probably got a bad hip. He don't want to make him walk all the way. Yeah, that's true. He's interrogating a guy with a jerk-off machine. Well, he went into this room with a jerk-off machine. I, I don't want to bother him right now. He won't now. be out for several hours. <laughs> Who would win in a fight? Mm. That girl or Gina Carano? Oh, yeah, we need to get back. Well, first of all, Gina Carano, because she's a professional fighter, or was a professional fighter. But, yeah, let's get back to Gina Carano, because I'm really tired of all this Ronda Rousey hoopla, and I'm tired of people slamming my girl Gina Carano saying she's a bad actress, all this shit. Listen, when you look like Gina Carano, you can be a bad actress. Ronda Rousey could learn the entire works of Shakespeare. I don't want to see her starring in anything. Who's the girl that's playing Negasonic Teenage Warhead? I don't know. I think, I think just some British Colombian uh, actress. And who's the main girl? Who's who's his girlfriend? Oh, that's the she's like a TV actress. She's on Gotham. I, I hate that show. Yeah, you don't like good TV shows. That's a problem, cousin. Okay, once again, six foot tall penguin. Guy weighs about a hundred pounds. No mustache on Commissioner Gordon. It's it's bad writing. That's some Vince Russo casting right there. That makes no... Your argument makes no sense. If it's so bad, how come it's such a big hit? There's no accounting for taste. But I'm a big fan of it, though. Yeah. (laughs) If you hate it, you're a big fan of it. Yeah, you can hate everything, but if you like the opening music, you're a fan. All right, finally, the young cop, Andrew Stevens, comes out to talk to uh, Bronson's daughter here. And she's all pissed because she actually does have, I would say with this this photo that she brings and her recollection of who the creepy guy was, he turns out to be the killer guy. This is actually the most important piece of evidence in this case. Linking but they the, never use it. <laughs> well, not only that, but Charles Bronson refused to even come out of the room. He's, he's trying to convince William Brimley, the commissioner, you got to let me stay on this case. Bring him in. Let me scream at him with this jerk-off machine more. But he don't want any real evidence in the case. Like, that's what's so weird. I'm surprised when they took the guy to court that was, would you present the evidence that it was the jerk-off machine? <laughs> he just... This is Exhibit A. <laughs> He just lays it down on the judge's table and it says, case closed. <laughs> you know, another thing, too, is Bronson had no problem. And, and by the way, that jerk off machine was not clean either. The, the, the weird rubber foot thing on the end, which oh, I'm, 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 I'm assuming is where you stick your penis into it. It was, like, all dirty. Like, it looked like they took it and rubbed it in a charcoal grill or something. Yeah, see, it had, like, black gunk in it. <laughs> yeah. And did you notice that with bare hands, Bronson had no problem handling the shit out of that thing? Yeah, like, he knows what it's for, and he's touching it. <laughs> now, how's he, how'd he put two and two together and know where this chick worked? 
that that I don't really know. Other than I'm assuming he just been following her because she, because I'm assuming he kind of knew her because she knew that girl. So and he was stalking that girl apparently because he was in that company whatever picnic photo that she was at. So he he had met her before the funeral. Why is he dressed like a, a British detective? <laughs> he is just really weird here, like a she is like a British cabbie or something. Yeah. In his uh, bug. Yeah, I was going to say, what did you think? I thought it was maybe not the best choice to have the killer drive a VW bug because if you watch the movie, he has a very big ego. He has posters up of himself doing karate in his apartment. I think this is a guy who thought he was cool, even though he wasn't cool at all. And I, even if it was like old and dinged up, I thought they should have gave him like a sports car or some shit. He needed one of them, like, cars, like, a sport car like Mark Wahlberg had in Pain and Gain, mm. and then get the Scooby-Doo car seats on there. Yeah. I never got that in Pain and Gain. Why did he have Scooby-Doo car seats? I think just to make him seem more pathetic, you know what I mean? Mark Wahlberg is the man, though. He is. He make he makes a good cycle, like, in Fear. I would he, say, He yeah. was believable. He was real good. Yeah, Fear's been on cable a lot. It's really good. See, I really like that. I remember that was Reese Witherspoon and Mark Wahlberg. Now it'd be Mark Wahlberg and Reese Witherspoon. Yeah. I remember the uh, the big famous scene from that movie, and they even show a little bit of it in the trailer, is he, he actually finger bangs her on a roller coaster. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that, you know, that movie was rated R, but it really didn't need to be. Not at all. With a couple little edits... Could have been what? PG-13. I would have just made it where instead of finger banging her, he just drove her out into the woods. And then, like, at the end when the people came, they could have just been dragging people away. (laughs) Yeah, he could have just dragged Reese away. (laughs) That would have been a great one. Okay, now the killer is calling from a payphone. And we we got to talk about this dynamic on here is Bronson's daughter is going to nursing school. And the nursing school is right next to a hospital, so she gets, like, on-the-job training, right? Yeah, she's, like, living in a dorm there. Yeah, and we got to talk about her roommates here. One chick is the dark-haired chick. I don't know. The other one, the blonde, is a really young Kelly Preston going by her... Let me let me get this right. Her real name. She In this movie, she's billed as Kelly Palsis. And later, she made the wise decision... Changed her name to Kelly Preston. She only has a couple lines in it. But the other roommate, the um, the black girl, that's actually Ola Ray. That's actually the girl from Michael Jackson's Thriller video. Which I'm trying to put the timeline together. I think this movie would have come out right before Thriller did. Right before, right? This was 83. Right. Which means it probably shot well, it thriller would be Thriller would be older, wouldn't it? I think Thriller would be like 83. Or 84. No, maybe Thriller's... Uh, I'm going to guess 82. Let me get on that. Let's get the I team on this. Yeah. Let's see. Cause remember that was a big deal, Thriller? They had they would always have the making of when it first came out on MTV with John Landis. Michael Jackson probably would know how to use that jerk-off machine. Mm-hmm. Let's see... The album of Thriller was released on November 30th, 1982, but it looks like, okay, let's look at the music video. 
The music video didn't come out a year later until December 2nd, 83. So Ola Ray was having a great year in 83, right? She got to yeah. uh, be in 10 to Midnight and Thriller. Then what'd she do? I don't know. She lives in Sacramento now, so imagine a whole lot. Let's see. Okay, she started her career in 48 Hours. I guess playing, she's probably, I can't remember, she was probably the girl that Eddie Murphy banged at the end, wouldn't you say, at the bar? Yeah, like the one he picked up at the bar. Yeah, she was in Night Shift as well, playing a hooker. Then I remember that movie. Yeah, then 10 to Midnight, then Thriller, and then like a couple other movies. She was in Fear City. Oh, I love Fear City. I just watched it the other day. Yeah. Oh, that's right. She was a dancer in it. Yeah. And a couple other things, and then, um... She was in Beverly Hills Cop 2, I guess, knowing Eddie Murphy again. She played a Playboy playmate in Beverly Hills Cop 2. And that was pretty much, that was actually her last acting role. Where are you at on Fear City? You know, I'm, I'm going to look at it right now because I don't really remember it at all. I know the movie. Let's see. Melanie Griffith is butt naked in it. How are Tom you not all over this movie? Ray Don Chunk. You know, I've actually heard of this, but I don't remember seeing it. If I did see it, it was a long time ago. You need to buy it. Shout Factory put out the Blu-ray. Looks great. Did they? Maybe that's mm-hmm. where I heard it off from when it came. Uh, let's see. Oh, Ola Ray. I almost posted the trailer on YouTube, mm-hmm. but it has a lot of nudity in it. I tried oh, okay. to stay away from that. Yeah, you got to stay away from that. Just like I like take the high road, stay away from the profanity on the Facebook page. <laughs> Getting back to Ola Ray. Ola Ray was Playmate of the Month, June 1980 in Playboy. Really? She ain't that cute. I don't know. She gets naked in the shower in this movie later on. And I thought she was pretty good. See, I think she has ugly boobs. Oh, really? I thought she had a good body. Uh, her boobs are creepy looking. All right, now here we have Bronson and his partner going to the cafeteria at the nursing school to eat lunch with uh, his daughter. Did you see that shit Bronson pulled in the uh, the line? He got a piece of quiche, and then the yeah, old bastard, don't he? He's so senile, he don't know what he's eating. He thought it was pie. Yeah, they said something about him getting quiche. He goes, "I hate quiche. I thought it was pie." And then he actually goes back in the line to give like the food back. Did you see that? Well, he's, his mind, it's all flutter. He's trying to figure out how the jerk-off machine works. <laughs> how the guys commit murders with the jerk-off machine. Maybe you could rape with this thing. Now I have to see, here we see the young cop with all the roommates and stuff. And it's kind of funny that he totally doesn't even notice that there's like two other hot women like living in a storm. He just saw, really, actually I would say Boyo's daughter, who's really cute, throws herself at this Dort cop. Oh, fuck yeah. The whole movie. He don't do shit about it, does he? No, he's a very asexual. What I don't get is he's living, you know, and here's the police radio. You know, if you need it, you call us. Only, we don't let anybody have these. You know, he's giving like he's being all cool. And then like later in the movie, like, which is obviously had to be like a couple months later. Yeah. I still got that police radio over here. Didn't he have to give it back? <laughs> yeah, didn't have the longest somebody. <laughs> now, she invites him to a party. Now, this party, everybody's just, like, dancing nonstop and everything. He's, like, way overdressed, suit. Well, not a suit, but what do you call it? Sport coat, tie. He's sweating his dick off in here. Like, doesn't he know how to loosen up in this Saturday night or whatever it is? Like, take the necktie off for five minutes? Yeah, take the coat. Even, like, you're like, oh, I'm not dressed for a party. Yeah, he could just take the tie and the coat off. Yeah. This guy was on duty 24-7. Yeah, at least in his mind. 
And I think I think Bronson's daughter here was totally, you know, just you know, anytime you're ready to bang, let's let's go. But uh, he doesn't pick up on the signals at all. I don't think. Uh, he he's maybe he too is fascinated by the jerk off machine. Yeah. And once again, you jerk off with this, don't you? He's so dripping sweat, and everybody else was dancing just as hard, and they weren't they weren't sweating. And he keeps talking about in college. I used to do this sort of thing in college. But I'm, maybe I'm getting old. Uh, just like, how old is this motherfucker? Like I said, he looks about forty something. Really? I don't think he looks. He that does old. to me. You don't. He's, I think he's trying to play the part of like some punk twenty nine year five twenty to twenty nine year old kid. But he's way too old looking for that. I think he's like thirty two or something in this. They needed to get Michael Dudikoff in that part. We, okay, now he hears a girl moaning down the street, I mean, down the hallway. He runs in with his gun. Okay, it's, it's obviously some, okay, we got some boobage here. Because um, this wasn't a rape canon film, so they couldn't, like, have all these girls' shirts getting ripped off. So they had to show this girl. But, but did you see, why did they, they should have had the woman on top. Because that guy, his his whole, they, like, a full, full view, they showed that guy's hairy ass crack. I mean, it was beyond yeah. hairy. And it looked like he had some swamp ass going on, too. <laughs> It was so dark. I'm surprised Boyo didn't come busting through the window. Did I hear rape? This is a weird building because the stairway has windows on the floor. (laughs) There's like dozens of areas where the the naked killer could crawl into this building. It doesn't look like any type of dormitory either. It looks like an old, like like a high school. Yeah, it it actually does. It's very strange. Canon film. That's probably a Canon office. Probably a Canon office, or they just had like some shitty old building that they would repaint all the time. Okay, first date. She like she. Do you see that? She grabbed his jacket, pulled him in close for a kiss. He don't want nothing to do with it. You know, he kisses her back, but then he pulls away real quick. He's all clenched up. Maybe he's afraid old boy will whoop his ass. We okay. You know, you're on a date with this girl. I mean, and this isn't like a high school girl. This is like a grown woman. You know what I mean? Hell yeah. I mean, would you really be afraid what her 65-year-old father would do to you? Fuck no. I, we'd already be in bed. Exactly. I'd be wad-dinging her right now. Okay, we didn't really talk about too much because at first she thought it was a prank call, but then they started recording the phone calls. Here we get a little more of the killer calling her. He gives obscene phone calls, right? But instead of, like, New Year's Evil having a voice changer, what does he do, Corey? He, like, tries to talk in a Spanish accent in parts, but it's really bad. It's almost like, it's it's like Steven Seagal and Machete, except he ain't going, Boniera. But he's just like, yeah, I'm going to stick my dick in Jew. Like, it, it, yeah. it's it's barely disguised. He, yeah, I know. It, it just sounds like the regular guy talking, like, with a bad accent. But he says his name is Pedro. Once they established in the beginning that he knew how to read Spanish, because when they were asking about his bullfighting poster, he said he spoke a little Spanish. So when she said, I got a, I got a call from some Mexican, that's when the other detective was like, hmm, this is more evidence where Bronson was probably like, we don't need the evidence. I got the jerk off machine right here. <laughs> what are you going to, I get here, Bronson. What are you going to do? You're going to run it around on the street, putting recorders on phones. And for what? We have the evidence. <laughs> that's just circumstantial. I got the smoking gun right here. Exactly. Now here we have where where the young cop actually plays the tape for Boyle, 
And, okay, boy is listening to this guy say dirty things to his own daughter. <laughs> and there's no emotion. Like, he's not even mad. I mean, he was a little mad. He, like, slapped the tape recorder off. But <laughs> What I don't get is they're playing it on this old big tape recorder. Right. And old Boyle has this old TDK cassette. And he's like, I need you to run this through the, the voice recognition. It's like, what the fuck? This is a cassette. <laughs> How are you going to download it to a computer? <laughs> oh boy, it's got a real sparse home here. Very shittily decorated. They never explained what happened to Bronson's wife in this, did they? She was raped and murdered. <laughs> okay, there's a picture of his wife. He looks very she's bored. Cute. Yeah, she's hot. Oh, a Death Wish too. his wife was hot. Yeah, that was his real wife, too. But yes, yeah. good water, cousin. What kind are you drinking? I got the orange LaCroix. Mm. Why, Why do you take those pictures home? <laughs> they're just murdering corpses. <laughs> he, he keeps looking. I mean, they're like, fo- okay, they're evidence photos. Like, I can see why you would reference them. But just staring at them over and over, you're not going to discover any new evidence. Yeah, I, I don't get it. Why has he got them at his house? Yeah, it makes sense. Here he goes to, like... I thought this was the morgue at first when That's it came. That's what I thought, yeah. But, but it's the, like the evidence locker. Yeah. With sinks outside it. Yeah. And he goes and in. a little he, tiny refrigerator <laughs> full of all the vet samples. I think this was the basement of Canon Studios. <laughs> but he catches this guy smoking weed and it's like a big deal. But, I mean, back in 1983, if you caught a guy smoking weed, would he, you know what I mean? Like, would that guy really be that scared about it? If he, Okay, if he was so scared about it, why was he doing it while listening to a Walkman so he couldn't hear if anybody was coming, you know? In the basement of a police station. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm going to need this tape run through to recognition. I guess this is technically a forensics lab, right? Maybe that's what it is. Well, aren't those usually supposed to be that clean? Yeah, this kind of looks like shitty, but... I mean, that's the only this thing I can the, think of. They the have all these different... room at Cannon Studios. <laughs> they have all these sinks, and they have, like, all these, like... Like, that that room said file room in it, but it just looked like a... I don't know. Let's see, where's the files? It looks like a science lab at a, at a high school or something, or college. There's, wouldn't the file room be full of file cabinets? Now, Boyo goes into the refrigerator. Actually, the freezer. Like, do they freeze the blood? What the fuck? Oh, that yeah, you make a good point. If it's frozen, how is he able to withdraw some of it with his syringe? Yeah. See, I, like, I, in all honesty, I think this is where the uh, cops in the OJ case got their idea. I think uh, he's guilty of sin. If you don't believe me, you just watch Cuba Gooding Jr. portray it in a few weeks. <laughs> but, the, but the cops in the OJ trial, they put the blood back onto the crime scene, even though they knew the guy was a killer. You see what I'm saying? Oh, no, they didn't. I thought some of the sh- the blood they found on OJ socks had the pres- the lab preservative in it. Ah, that nah, bullshit. <laughs> I'm not buying that conspiracy theory. <laughs> conspiracy? I thought they brought it up in court, though. That was a lie. Well, I don't know. I I, I think they planted that shit just to help get. Because I mean, this is a LAPD, mo- you know, cop story in this movie. I think that was just kind of what they did. Like if they thought somebody was guilty. But they couldn't prove it in a court. I think they just would sprinkle the shit. Yeah, here's the way I look at it, OJ. 
I think he did it, but in the same sense, I didn't know her. I didn't care. He made me laugh in Norberg. He didn't kill anyone I know. He's okay in my book. Well, here, here's my... I don't want to go as far to say he's okay, but like... What'd he do to you? <laughs> I mean, he was a great running back, but... There you go. Did but, he do any... Did he Did he hurt you or your family? No, 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 no. Then, then he's an okay guy. Well, here's my thing, too, is like... If a guy's that famous and he gets away with murder and he's lucky enough to get away with it, he probably ain't going to do it again, right? One would hope not. So would you just want him to be free or do you want to have him in jail where you have to pay for him? <laughs> but he... The glove didn't fit, cousin. Mm-hmm. This old boy now... Let's add, not only did he steal evidence, now let's add breaking it. I gotta go back and get that jerk-off machine. <laughs> I think he already has the jerk-off machine. Yes, yeah, I think he kept it. He already stole it. This is where he goes to sprinkle the blood on the guy's clothes. Which, I would say at this point, when he steals the blood and puts it on clothes, this is where he's really doing the cursey. He's crossed the line from being a cop, and now he's just a vigilante. Wouldn't you yeah. say? Oh, hands down. And here, once again... Here's the evidence, you know, but like they said, you know, this would keep get him in jail for like a month or something for an obscene phone call. But the daughter had pictures. They had enough circumstantial evidence for possibly a case. Right. But here, here's, here's the thing, though, cousin, is um, I think kind of what this movie's asking you to think about. Um, and obviously this guy's an evil killer and all this and he needs to like whatever. But like I kind of. I understand why Boyo feels the pressure because now it's his daughter that's the target, right? But I kind of feel like they would have caught this guy with real evidence, don't you? Oh, yeah. And, you know, here's the thing. Why didn't Boyle just kill him? Right. Just just get, like, an unmarked gun that they couldn't trace back to him? Exactly. Okay, Boyle's a dumbass here because they're, they're, they're um, arresting the guy here. And the young cop wants to take all the clothing, right, to test for blood samples from the murder victim. And Boyle tells him, no, there's just... No, we one. just need that one. <laughs> <laughs> we just need that one jacket right there. Didn't he say, what about this? Yeah, you can bring that, too. He goes, oh, yeah, you can bring that one. But just bring the one thing. And that's another thing, too, is, is you know, Boyle says, just bring the jacket that he was wearing the night of the murder. But, like, how do they know what clothes he was wearing the night of the murder? Yeah, because when they when they talked to him, yeah, there were no witnesses, and when they no. talked to him, he was wearing a tracksuit. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, he should have been like he should have just been like get the jerk off machine again. Yeah. Now the young cop has no idea that this planning of evidence is going on. I have to say, this is kind of where this movie to me is more interesting than some is the young cop. In most movies like this, usually totally gets played and fooled by the older cop showing him the ropes. But the young cop actually figures this shit out pretty quick, doesn't he? I don't get why. There's Jeffrey Lewis there. He popped up in everything for a while. Um, My thing, though, with with this other cop, okay, the other cop probably also figured out this guy. He knew this guy did it, too. Um, Now the guy's harassing his, basically, who could be his girlfriend. Yeah. And he doesn't back his partner up. No, he doesn't. If you did that, cousin, I'd back you up. Well, especially if you know, because the thing is, is like, they heard the guy's shitty Mexican accent. They knew it was him. (laughs) What do you think of Jeffrey Lewis's wig that he wore in movies around this time? It's very, like, just hair laying on top of his head. It doesn't. 
Nobody's hair just lays stiff like, like that. Dying on his head. Yeah, I think it's the same wig that he was wearing in Night of the Comet. I think your your Skype is turning into dial up. Is it it's starting to get jumpy? A little bit. Okay, do you see where Unless the... you got a jerk-off machine running in the background. <laughs> I got a jerk-off machine running in the background. Now, do you see where the killer guy was hitting that door with the chair? Like, the, the entire wall was shaking? This is obviously a paper mache set. <laughs> well, honestly, wouldn't that outburst be enough to lunge after him be another reason to hold him? Yeah. Well, now they have him for the murder, though, because that's why he went crazy. So, you know, Paul Kersey's got him here. And right I don't know on, how there's so many reporters there already. Yeah, why is this such a huge case? I like the re, the Wolfman reporter back there with the big beard. <laughs> Doesn't that kind of look like a Wolfman? <laughs> with a blue shirt? Yeah. You keep breaking up, cousin. I can't hear you. I'm not saying anything right now. Is it okay now? No. That sucks because if we if we hang up on the call, it's just going to hang up. It's going to stop. Yeah, the fans can listen to it. <laughs> the fans can listen to it. Let's see what we can do here. Jeffrey Lewis comes out, the, the lawyer, and immediately he uh, he starts talking about planted evidence. How does he know that the evidence was planted? Yeah, that makes no sense. Well, maybe they've dealt with this crooked bastard before. <laughs> maybe he's been pulling the cursey for a long time. He could have been. That guy looks like a bad Howard Cosell, that news reporter. He does. I'm going to say that um, this part gets a little weird because at this part it almost seems like Bronson is like romantic with his daughter with the looks that they're giving each other and what they're doing. Especially because they've always insinuated he never talks to her, he never spends time with her. Now he doesn't leave the bitch alone. He, and he's like really like up in her personal space too. Yeah. Is that the real Los Angeles County Courthouse? It's the real one, but I don't think a lot of those indoor scenes were actually filmed there. They just took a picture of the outside. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think just they could, Cannon could only afford this one little part where Jeffrey Lewis talks to him out there. And Jeffrey Lewis, like, he really kind of convinces the young cop right here that uh, Bronson's dirty, like, within two seconds. Yeah, this this other cop is he's he's not only is he kind of a schmuck, but he's not loyal to his partner, and it's like he's almost intimidated by Jeffrey Lewis. Yeah, whereas I could see if they was working some cases together, and the young cop had seen Boyo like planting all this evidence and like doing, cre- but he really had no reason to think that Bronson did anything wrong at this point. No, at all he knows is like, oh, this guy's a veteran of the force; he's a good cop. Now the guy's all depressed. He just keeps watching news footage. Yeah, I know. And he keeps, he keeps like, doubting Bronson, doubting Bronson. But it's like, why? Just because, you know, because he even asked Bronson, like, why is he saying the evidence is planted? And Bronson goes, I don't know. They always say that. They always say that. He's some scumbag. He's a shyster. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, good point. You're right. I mean, what's he going to do? Say, look, my client killed them people, but... You, you you can't let him go to jail. I won't get my retainer. You know, yeah. you... She got nice legs. Did you notice... I don't know if they really did this in, like, real life, because I wasn't really dating women at the time, but in the early 80s movies, girls always went to bed 
in a football jersey. <laughs> Did you notice that? I, I noticed that, but yeah, I, I also was just a kid. I wasn't dating anyone at the time either. Yeah. I mean, this this girl really will not give up. She's calling this dork all the time. All he wants to do is sit in his bed shirtless with slacks on. What kind of lawyer is Jeffrey Lewis? Look at that. His desk back there is held up by cinder blocks. <laughs> <laughs> well, why do they keep calling this cop? You think the cop, it's almost like the cop's being intimidated by him. Yeah. Do you think that really works in cases? Like a defense lawyer can really convince a cop? Oh, look at look at this this tight ass young cop here smoking in the lab. Like, look at that tight ass polo shirt he's got on, all tucked in. He thinks he's hot shit. Yeah, he's no better than the killer, if you ask me. Yeah, he thinks he's actually too good to date Boyo's daughter. But look at Boyo's daughter, and look at this asshole. Yeah, I don't think in real life this guy could lay in Boyo's daughter. Yeah, I don't think so at all. I could lay in Boyo's daughter. Oh, I'm convinced. You know, she hasn't acted in a long time, but I kind of would like to know what that woman looks like now, to be honest with you. Let's get her on the show. (laughs) Okay, let's do that. I'll make a call. I'm going to call somebody. Put the word up. Okay, like, the asshole young cop here, he really totally puts together two, because... The guy said Boyle went into that room with the refrigerator. He totally knows now that Boyle planted the uh, blood evidence. And I like hear Jeffrey Lewis is prepping him. He's like, yeah, and if things look bad, start saying that you hear voices and you talk to yourself. Because you can't walk out of a gas chamber, but you can walk out of a loony bin. <laughs> yeah, like he totally gives the guy a strategy now how to act crazy if things don't get their way so that he can get him out of a, you know, a, a prison prison sentence or a gas chamber sentence. I mean, this is the epitome of a scumbag lawyer. It is. I kind of like the character, though, just because, I don't know, like, he is a scumbag, but at the same time, like, I don't know, old Kersey over there, Kessler, he he went too far, in my opinion. I see, he's a scumbag, too. Yeah, you gotta, I mean, you gotta put the killers away, especially when there's such an abundance of real evidence. You gotta put them away with the real evidence. You can't just make shit up. Wilford Brimley, instead of combing his hair, goes in with the Buford T. Justice Sheriff hat here in the court. He does. Pretty sure you can't smoke in a courthouse. Yeah, probably even back then you probably couldn't, I don't think. Like probably everywhere else, an airport, everything, yeah, but probably not a courthouse. See, I got a feeling Jeffrey Lewis looked at that punk-ass cop and, and, and he just mouthed, you know, he looked like, You're next. <laughs> Now, now this cop is scared he's going to get put through a table I like Boyle's uh, daughter's hair style in this part but here here we have the cop pull, pulls Bronson in like a little sideways unused room or where the fuck they're in and like okay this is where I think Bronson really 100% like okay if you're going to do this shit to plant evidence and all this and you already know this young guy there's a new guy on the force you can't trust. Now, why does Bronson admit that he planted the evidence right here? Yeah, I've just been like, you're fucking crazy. Yeah, why would I? If I was Bronson, I would have been like, why would I have to plant the evidence? You know for a fact, because you know the guy's fucking hokey-ass Mexican accent. You know, yeah. he, you know he's planning to kill my daughter next. Why would I even have to plant the evidence? Now, is it bad lighting, or does that punk-ass cop look like Jaws from the James Bond movie? He looked like he got a mouthful of silver teeth. <laughs> yeah, it could just be his stained-up teeth from chain-smoking the whole time. 
I mean, look, see? Yeah, they do. Like... <laughs> I think it's just the glare. Because Boyo's got some glare off his teeth, too, but they're just not as bad. Boyo has some Boyo. nice, shiny white teeth. Yeah, they're called dentures. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> he, he, he soaked them in some fix it <laughs> He put some he polygrip that shit. Polygrip. Clean, like, just like you got them Ric Flair dentures going on. Woo! I got the Ric Flair dentures. <laughs> Styling and pro profiling with my fake teeth. <laughs> That's, they need to make a documentary about Ric Flair. They could have had Charles Bronson play him. <laughs> that would have been great. Ric Flair documentary. Who would play Ric Flair? Well, if it was a documentary, I'm guessing Ric Flair. You mean biography or whatever yeah, yeah who played a young rick flair the young rick flair i'm gonna say oh man that's a, that's actually a tough one i'm gonna say probably, i'll say oh go ahead i'm gonna say paul walker well he's dead okay <laughs> but he's actually the only blonde actor i can think of right now to be honest no no channing tatum oh no don't say that <laughs> don't i i I'll, I'll be honest i would not be seeing that rick flair movie Jang Tatum star in the Hateful Eight. Yeah, that's right. See him in all his seventy millimeters of glory. See, I don't, I don't hate Channing Tatum. I don't hate him. I just don't think he's very good, honestly. No, he's not that great of an actor. You put a wig on him, he could be Ric Flair. Oh, just bleach his hair. Who cares if it falls out afterwards? I don't give a fuck. Leonardo DiCaprio. Ah, he's he's too fat to play Ric Flair. Uh, hmm. I'm gonna say Ric Flair movie. You're probably gonna have to get Dolph Ziggler at this point. What about Vin Diesel in a wig? <laughs> As Ric Flair? Why see, not? See, I would get Vin Diesel to play Tony Atlas in the Ric Flair movie. Yeah, that could work. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now Boyo has to go in and call the whole trial off. He has to tell the judge that he planted the blood evidence. Which does get him fired. Yeah, which, by the way, how realistic at this point do you think it would... Like, this is the only part of the movie. I like this movie a lot, but this only part of the movie is like, why would you plant the evidence and literally a day later say, oh, wait, I made a mistake, boy. <laughs> like, <laughs> how fast is, is the court system here? Because he planted the evidence and the next day the guy was already up for trial. Well, not only that, but like, I don't think the justice system really works like that because... It's not really the cops who present the charges. The cops just are like, Here, here's the evidence to the prosecutor. The prosecutor, like, I don't think Boyle can make the call to drop all the no. charges. No, that's up to the district attorney's office. Yeah. And yeah, that's that has nothing to do with him. But then again, I guess if you said, I plan, he should have said, like, I planned the evidence and then pull out that big jerk off thing. <laughs> but it jacks off with this. <laughs> I slammed it on the <laughs> He's like sticking his finger in the hole. This is where he puts his dick in it, Otter. Otter. He fucks this thing in the privacy of his own home. Now tell me you're going to let him get away with it. You be yelling at that guy. Get up here and show him how you did it. See, this is weird too because like Boyle's daughter like really wants to get drunk, and like this is almost like the part of the movie where you know she wants to fuck her dad. I don't it's weird because like they're totally on a date on the day that he gets fired from being a cop <laughs> he even tells her he's he just been fired oh have another drink yeah 
No, another thing, another thing too is she keeps wanting to drink, and he, and then she suddenly remembers that um, she has a test in the morning, so she has to get home. She says she'll call a cab, and boy, it was like, I'll walk you home. Okay. Yeah. No, he doesn't say a walker. He's like, let me. I'll take care of you. I'll get you home. And then you see him just walking her. I know. I thought he was going to drive her home or something. That's what I figured. Maybe that was a cop car he was in. They, you know, they they're not going to let him keep it. Yeah. Apparently they let him keep his gun though. Yeah, because he still walks around with the same fucking gun. Now here's the thing too: is if my daughter was like a killer, was trying to get her and all this shit, and then I wasn't even a cop anymore, I would say, listen, like, like you're not staying at the dormitory with all the mother girls waiting to get hacked up. Like you stay at home where I can protect you. Stay here with me. Yeah. Yeah. But but like we said before, there's a there's a pattern with Charles Bronson and his. uh, the victims that he protects. He likes to dangle them out there as bait, doesn't he? Boy, you ain't kidding. He he doesn't dangle them. He fucking ties them up and leaves them. <laughs> yeah. He don't care if they get killed. Yeah. But he wasn't there when little Billy needed it, was he? No. That's He's too busy watching from the tree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, one thing I do think that this Leo Kessler character is better than Paul Kersey was was at least Leo Kessler's, like, awake and he can do shit. Paul Kersey, he, like, backs... He opens the door and he backs up into, like, the blackjack or whatever the, the club is that the, That's right. the yeah, rapists are having. Well, plus, he was just lazy at that point. He was uh, paying old Consuela to keep his apartment clean. Yeah. Now, Boyle was coming out like he didn't want to drink before, but he actually takes the, the alcohol that's been poured in the glass earlier, and now he's trying to put some ice into it. I think he was going to get shit-faced here. Finally, the bitch is gone. See, now here's another one. Okay, now the killer's calling him, taunting him, even telling him he's going to get his daughter. Why no boy will call the cops and go, okay, listen, I got him now. Yeah, because I I think even though, you know, obviously Bronson's not a cop anymore and they wouldn't whatever, you know, want to publicly have him whatever doing shit on the case. They would at least try to protect him. You know, well, I mean? would he have gotten fired on the spot? Isn't there usually have to be like you appeal to the union, and then mm. there's a you see put on a desk where he can type with his two fingers and talk to homeless people? And yeah. I mean, do they really just go, oh, "You're fired, get out"? No, I think because even even I mean, granted, he fucked up a case which would eventually get you fired. But even the cops who accidentally shoot people, like they get suspended while they do the yeah, investigation. But I like administratively. I like you how Boyle just keeps smiling at him. <laughs> yeah, so Boyle decides he has to go on the offensive here. Now, if the killer wouldn't have kept calling him up on the phone and taunting him, do you think Boyle would have uh, been, like, stalking him and all this shit? Or do you think Bronson was, like, ready to, like, let the shit go at this point? No, I think he would have he went after him. Yeah. But to be fair, like, I don't know. They they still never really knew for sure that he was the one doing the killings at this point in time. You know what I mean? No. And what didn't make sense is why didn't this guy go, look, the fucking crazy cop is harassing me now, and file a multi-million dollar lawsuit with the state. Yeah, because, like, the the killer guy was, like, willfully and gleefully taunting. Um, I like this part here, though, when the killer's walking back to his typewriter job. And he sees all the, he's looking at all the girls and he's having flashbacks to all the girls he killed and shit. Like, that's kind of what I like about this movie. It does have some style. Like, it almost has that, um, psycho American psycho type, uh, you know, feel to it. Like, you feel like you're inside this guy's head. You know what I mean? 
And then they're all like saying they don't want to work with him anymore. It turns out old Boyle took the victim's pictures, which he still kept for some reason. He must have made copies and hung them in this guy's office. Yeah, no. <laughs> which no one noticed. <laughs> Charles Bronson. <laughs> it's like you're in this office full of 80 women. No men work there except for this killer fuck. And then all of a sudden a 70-year-old man walks in. <laughs> yeah, or did he go maybe in the middle of the night and break in? He, he went 10 to midnight and broke in. <laughs> I told somebody we were our next movie was going to be. I said I got to record ten till midnight. And I got. Aren't you going to be tired the next day? <laughs> That's funny. I said no. I'm recording it at quarter to eleven. <laughs> What's funny is, is uh, the killer tells his lady boss that he didn't put those killer pictures up there. But there's all kinds of weird pictures of like men or maybe they're women posing in photo fitness yeah. photos and shit up there. So I actually would, if I was the boss lady, I would believe he did put the pictures up there. That old boy was just parked outside this guy's rat hole apartment. Yeah, which I have to say, it's not very realistic because Bronson watches the guy come home. And this is a huge apartment building. Like, I mean, it's like an old time, a huge brick building. Nobody's parked on the street. Let me tell you, there's there's not an empty parking spot on streets around apartment buildings in Los Angeles. Fuck no. And then the other cop just sneaks up on him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bronson needs to get his game. Again, this motherfucker chain-smoking. Bronson needs to get his uh, creeping around game straightened up here because the killer could have easily walked up behind him naked with that jerk-off machine and slit his throat. What he needed to do was park that car, go find the dirtiest bathroom, change his clothes, put on his toky disguise, and then no one would have noticed him. Yeah, like, and that's another thing, too, is like, okay, he's not a police detective anymore and all that. He's just doing surveillance, reconnaissance, whatever. He's just sitting in the car. Stalking. Why, yeah, stalking. Why, why would he still be wearing full suits and all that to do that yeah. at like 2 in the morning? <laughs> he needed to wear the toki and the petticoat. Yeah, petticoat. I mean, I realize Bronson was of, you know, the older generation and whatnot, but did he really have to be that formal when he's, like, in Skid Row watching a shitty-ass apartment <laughs> Then again, I guess when Rocky Balboa in the middle of the night bailed out Pauly, he was wearing a three-piece suit. So. I guess he was. That is, that yeah, it was the 80s, maybe. That's yeah. what you're supposed to do. Look at this motherfucker. Prime parking spot right in front of the fucking, you know, Skid Row Motel apartment building. What he needed to do was call Burt Young. Mm. And Burt Young would have went over and whooped that kid's ass. He'd been beating him with a belt. Yeah. Okay, now Bronson is just pulling straight up practical jokes, wouldn't you say, on the killer? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. He rigs up all the lamps. Stereo. Yeah, he rigs up all the lamps in the killer's uh, apartment, so when he comes in, it pulls on the stereo and plays a record. Yeah, and it made the lights fall and everything. Yeah, now he's just doing jackass pranks. Yeah. Okay, th- now I did think this was clever. The killer keeps his, like, butterfly knife or whatever it is, like, in the pipes. Of his sink. Now, do you think the cops would ever find that there? I don't know. Probably not, in all honesty. Yeah. Because it's down in the pipes. Like, you can't see it at all. I wonder why he just didn't throw it in the lake. Yeah. Well, I think he, I think he just always wanted to kill with the same knife, so he wanted to keep it, you know? Gotcha. Because now he's ready to, you know, do his revenge and his plot. Now, I like this part of the movie where you have the killer... He's not doing the stalking anymore. He's actually getting stalked kind of by 
you know, Bronson here. For the background there, it looks like they shot this part at Christmas time, don't it? There was like a lot of um, uh, decorations down there. This I is, caught the big McDonald's because that's the only fast food I like. Yeah. This is, uh, I can't remember if it's, no, it's not Hollywood Boulevard, but it's maybe it's Vine Street because there's the Vine Theater, which is still there, but I don't think it's, a, it's not a movie theater anymore. But, um, yeah, it looks like Christmas for the lights down there. But there's a there's a porno theater with black pimps and transvestite hookers outside. <laughs> they were filming Angel here, I think. They just yeah. drove past it. Which I mean, I I get it. It was the '80s or whatnot. But I don't think hookers and pimps and I don't think they were still dressed this like clownish and outrageous at this time period. You know no, what I mean? No, this this was very stereotypical. I, think, now, I remember how you fucked me on Reform School Girls. I gotta fuck you because I drank so much water. I gotta piss. I can't hold it no more. Well, go ahead. I'll be happy to talk about 10 to midnight. You're, you're on your own for a minute, cousin. <laughs> All right, go for it. I'll be right back. So here we have Bronson. He's trying to keep up with the uh, serial killer here whose plan is he serial killer, he likes to come up with these hokey fake alibis. He actually picked up a hooker not to go bang but to go take to a hotel, and then he, you'll see it in a second. He actually drugs the hooker in this so he can sneak out and do some killings here. Bronson actually tips off a uh, another prostitute to you know find out, oh, what hotel are they going at and all this shit. That was a lucky guess. Good thing they didn't go to someplace random or else Bronson would have really been fucked here. I love this guy. I don't know this guy. His name is Old Guy running this uh, motel here. But uh, he always plays a. Well, he was always playing like a good toothless drunk on eighty sitcoms like Growing Pains and shit. Okay, here we have some more boobage, and I can't tell this. They don't look obviously pumped up, but this lady's breasts are very far apart. I can't tell if they're natural. And the lady's not bad looking, but something about her face. I don't know. It's almost like a, you know, I don't know, a little too mannish. But I don't think it is. I think it's a, it's a real woman here. Yeah, here we have the killer. He just checked into his hotel here, and if you see when he goes to uh, pour the rest of the, uh, you know, drugged up booze in the toilet, there's like fucking cigarette butts and shit floating in the toilet here. This is the nastiest place. I wouldn't take a shit in this place, let alone have sex with a woman. That's how nasty the Skid Row Hotel is. And Bronson comes in and says, did a guy come in here this tall? But he holds his hand so low. It's like, okay, okay, like, I think the killer is just as tall, if not taller than Bronson. He's not the, he's not a midget-sized kid. I, I think the killer is old enough to go on the rides at Disneyland, Bronson. You didn't have to hold your hand so low. And that's another thing, too, in this movie. Bronson, I mean, he's not even a cop anymore at this point, but he gets, he just tells people to do shit, and they do it. He tells the guy at the desk, give me the keys, come on. But he doesn't, like, you know, think he would have, like, an old leftover badge he could flash while he's doing this shit. But he don't have nothing. Just the old drunk guy just gives him the fucking keys, and that's it. I really like this movie, though. Good thing Corey's gone, because I don't think he really liked this movie as much as I did. But I like this movie because, you know... There's there's some crazy shit that's about to happen right now, but um, other other than this scene, I, I think the movie is pretty good. Like you know, it took a theme at this time. I don't know why, but Charles Bronson was really, you know, there was like this weird fantasy, and I guess Cannon just kept doing it over and over because people were paying for it. That Bronson was always like the avenging judge, jury, and executioner, motherfucker. 
which, you know, clearly this movie has that theme too. But I thought this one, with actually giving him a good foe, this weird guy likes to get naked and commit his crimes and all this shit, I think it actually put a really unique spin on it. Here we have Bronson's, you know, he's realized that the guy's off. He's trying to get a hold of somebody. He's trying to actually warn his daughter because he knows the killer's going after his daughter and all that shit. Um, again, the guy completely naked. Okay, here we have some good nudity. The girl from Thriller, Ola Ray, which I don't know why Corey claims this girl ain't shit when she takes her clothes off. Because you can clearly tell she was a Playboy Playman. And that's probably the only reason why she... Uh, Got this movie, but she's taking a shower right before the big slaughter comes. He's the killer's creeping around that dormitory naked with a bouquet of flowers that he's going to use. You'll see old Kelly Plazies or whatever her name was, aka Kelly Preston, opens the door and she's about to get her right here. I thought this is actually a good scene because, like, you see, she can't see, she thinks it's a flower delivery. Good bit of tension, old ass J. Lee Thompson built up here with the. Boyo's daughter making some mac and cheese there. And then right before they realize the killer's at the door, it's too late. Kelly Preston opened the door. Fucking gets stabbed in the stomach. Now, this is my only complaint, is this should have been like a really almost like the burning or something slaughter scene. He's running in. He's just, he's, it's batshit crazy. I'll give him that. This guy just running naked through this dormitory, ch- chopping these girls up back. with the butterfly so knife. That P turned into something more. That's okay, cousin. But um, I was going to say, this is my only part where I felt a little bit disappointed. Oh, some good Ola Ray nudity here. Is, uh, that nipples the size of my elbow, or her areolas, I should say. They're gigantic. Well, that's how she got in Playboy. She's, she's got the the pictorial size nipples. But uh, yeah. I kind of wish this part was a little bit better, because when he stabs her, it's very like limp. You just see his hand out of frame, like... I wanted to see this guy, like, stabbing it over and over, like, really, you know what I mean? Like, they should have actually had more gore here, I thought. Yeah, because he's clearly, I mean, he was already nuts and, and yeah. unstable, and now he's just completely snapped. Yeah, like, he's really, like, worked up and shit. But but I thought I thought this part of the movie, they did a good part of, like, while he's killing these girls and Boyo and the other cop are um, racing to try to get there to help, you know, save uh, Bronson's daughter. Bronson, of course, is flying through the traffic and almost getting into wrecks and shit. I thought they actually did a good job for, even though they didn't deliver really on the gore here the way they should have, they did a good job of building the tension up. Like the girl in the shower, she's she hears what's going on, but obviously she's naked, so she's trying to get a towel, trying to get something so she can sneak out, you know? Did you make it a point to mention when he went into the, the flop house motel and she was in here with a guy this tall, and he holds his hand up to, like, basically his stomach. Like, she's like, I'm looking for a hooker and a midget. <laughs> yeah, I, I did mention that. Because the guy, the killer guy is probably as tall, if not taller than Bronson. So, like, if I was trying to describe somebody that I knew was my height, I, w- I would hold my hand up to my head, not, like, to my, like, <laughs> chest. You know what I mean? Have you seen a little boy about this tall? <laughs> Yeah, and, and like that guy that ran the Flophouse Hotel, he always, do you remember that guy? He would always play like an old toothless drunk in sitcoms yeah. and shit. Yeah. Bronson should have had the jerk off thing and thrown it on that guy's table. What is this for? <laughs> Look at this. This guy's using this and you give him a hotel room? Who knows what he's jerking off with? He jerked off with a foot at home. He's jerking off with an elbow armpit up there. He's clearly a serial killer. Yeah. Now, I actually thought this was kind of good and disturbing, like, just seeing this naked guy 
with like blood streaked down his legs from where he was killing. I thought this was a you know a, a creepy visual. You see, it's a good visual. The, the way this movie's filmed, I'll agree. I do like the way it looked. Aesthetically, it's a good-looking movie. Yeah, it is. He had a good cinematographer, good old-school director. I like how they used the, you know, once again, the music from Revenge of the Ninja. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's part of this, parts of this movie where it has, like, a more traditional dramatic score. And, like, maybe some of, like, the more killing parts. It gets really, like, with the grand housey pumping synthesizer-esque or, you know... Which yeah, I, that's the part that's from Revenge of the Ninja. Yeah. The yeah, I mean, you know, there's a lot of movies, like these shitty direct-to-video movies now that try to capture the drive-in, grindhouse feel. But, I mean, they don't, first of all. And a big part of it is, like, they don't have the right music. Have you noticed that? You know what movie captured the grindhouse feel and it wasn't even trying was Drive Angry. Yeah, yeah, it did. I think it kind of was, though. Just it wasn't, you know... You know, okay, we we just missed it. There was that weird shot, a close up of the uh, killer's bush. Did you see that? Oh my god, he was hairy <laughs> as fuck. No, he was hairy as fuck. But I mean, they do a good job when he's killing naked of usually only showing him from the waist up or showing him from behind. So he only show his his butt. Like I guess you couldn't just show a guy's dick flopping around the way you can now in a movie. But that was so intentional because there was like a bar from a bed there. That like was covering his dick up, but man, it was just like the whole movie. Especially if you saw this at a drive-in or a movie theater back then, the whole screen would have been from ceiling to the floor of big guy's bush. There was no man growing back here, obviously. Mm-mm. That was as blatant as in the Simpsons movie when the fence didn't hide Bart Simpson's wiener. Exactly. That is true. Now. Why is she underneath a hospital? That bed is clearly like a hospital bed. Well, I mean, they are living in a dormitory at a nurse's school, so I guess they just sleep in leftover hospital beds. I don't yeah, know. That's, that, and I never got why. Number one, it doesn't even look like there's a mattress. Two, why would she hide underneath there when you can clearly see underneath it? <laughs> yeah, even because it is high up that even from a distance, you probably could, wouldn't you think? I was say, he should have spotted her just walking across the hall. See, he knew the whole time, though. I think he was just fucking with her. Because he just, like, acted like he was walking away in the ramp. Now, she really fucked him up by throwing a lamp at him. Did you notice that? Well, the lamp didn't even hit him, if you notice. Like, he no. dove out of the way like she was hooking a grenade at him. Yeah. he's. That is one thing, though. Like, I mean, with this scene, when, he, you know, she fights back pretty much where the other girls didn't. Like, all the other girls were so terrified. They just stood there and screamed while he stabbed them and shit. She does a good job of fighting back, but she doesn't even really fuck him up that much. She just puts up a fight, but it kind of shows in reality kind of Boyo's theory of, like, this guy's just a pussy, you know what I mean? Yeah. Especially for a guy knowing karate. Yeah. Like, karate man should be able to kick that cheap-ass door in. Yeah, he keeps kicking, kicking, and here's what I was saying, because his foot was bloody, like, that would leave his his toe print, because I remember seeing Unsolved Mysteries or something, they did catch somebody's murderer that left a bloody toe print. print Technically, he left his toe print and all that mud, he ran around in butt naked. Right, right. But, I mean, this is a toe print and blood on a white door, they're, the forensics or cops or whatever, they're really going to find that shit easy. Especially if they can do voice recognition off an old cassette tape, they sure as shit can figure out your toe. Exactly. Now, they didn't show enough gore, I don't think, but there is a good amount of blood that's, like, sprayed around this dorm room at this point in time. 
See, I was kind of under the impression the whole movie was going to be kind of like this. Right. What, like, do you think it was because just because of the box office or whatever, like, they really yeah. wanted to focus on Bronson? Oh, and if you watch the trailer, you know what I mean, too? It, it's focused heavily like you're watching Death Wish against a naked man. And it's really not, like, I mean, he kind of does pull a cursey when he fucks up the case by playing the evidence, you know? And, like, towards the end here, obviously, all bets are off. He just, you know, he's going to kill this motherfucker if he can. But, I mean, this this movie, for being marketed, because even the, one of the posters said Bronson's back in town and all this shit, it's really yeah. not like Death Wish at all. No, this is more almost like a like a psychological thriller. Yeah, this is almost like, you know, it's kind of more just like a police detective instead of an FBI agent, but this really is more like a Silence of the Lambs type film. Yeah, Manhunter. It has that early Manhunter, Manhunter feel. Yeah. And if you couldn't see that guy that coming a mile away you were crazy even she did because she carried her curling iron with her well yeah well she heated up the curling iron and burned it when she came out. but i wonder why she even came out of the uh the bathroom there yeah i don't uh i probably would have no, here's what makes no sense how does boyo head him off at the pass oh when they're on the foot chase yeah yeah it's, it's a little little shaky here because the daughter and um the killer like they take the fire escape or whatever they go out and they, they they're running down around the streets bronson is in the um dormitory looking for them and then finally you know bronson runs back out to the street and all that well she must be running slow because then again he's running like a man possessed after her okay now i didn't understand this there's a spotlight that keeps going on there which i'm assuming is a police helicopter yeah but, like, they never do anything. Like, they never, like, say anything over the sirens. Like, if the police copter, which I'm assuming has, you know, I don't know who the pilot is, if it's a guy they hire or if he's a cop, too. But I'm assuming there has to be at least one real cop in the police. And then, please. With, like, a sniper rifle or something. Yeah, I mean, there's nobody on these streets. If a murder really was about to happen, I have a hard time believing they would just hover above it. Like, wouldn't they land and the guy get out and try to help the girl or something? You would think. You'd think one of them would have a gun up there, too. Yeah, because what else would the point be to really be there just to watch the murder happen? You know what I mean? See, here's what made no sense. No? Mm-hmm. Where where did Boyle come from? Well, clearly this was like a park, street. I mean, he cut across the park, but how how did he know where they're going to end up to begin with? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I don't get it. I think it just I, was a dramatic. It was a cool visual. It, I, I think that's why they did it. Because you see her running, and all of a sudden you just see Bronson come into frame there. See, should turn. Now, why isn't Bronson being arrested, too? <laughs> well, I think they just know him. They know he's protecting his daughter. And technically, Bronson hasn't done anything against the law at this point. Well, I don't think you could carry a concealed weapon back then, though. I don't know. We'll have to ask Jelly about that. But, um, <laughs> I mean, in California, I don't know. Maybe he could, because maybe he was technically a cop at this point. They hadn't officially, like, you know, maybe he was on the the leave or whatever. Well, and this guy's naked and waving a knife. Shouldn't somebody have shot him by now on their own? Covered, yeah, because I think police, at least now, I don't know. Well, actually, I'd say probably back then they could even get away with more, but... If somebody points a knife at you from, like, a football field away, you're allowed to shoot them, right? Uh, yeah, I would assume. And this guy's, like, two feet. And you notice, like, the young cop, who that young, fuck that young cop, he can't do shit. He should have shot him. Right, well, he's not even, like, paying attention to him. He takes the girl away to, like, console her, 
and leaves Boyo here, who's not even a cop anymore, or is about to be fired, or whatever's going on. Okay, all the squad cars pull up, and they, you know, the killer's here naked, screaming how he did it. And he's, you know, he starts going into this crazy spiel that he hears voices, you know, and one day he'll get out, and he'll get his revenge on uh, Bronson yeah, and all this. You, you haven't heard the last of me, and... <laughs> But he's actually pushing the um, the the cops away, like beat, like like throwing them off him, like so he, they can't cuff him. Like, wouldn't those cops have been beating the shit out of that guy? Fuck yeah, that's a, where all them cops come from. And now, see, in all honesty, they should have taken the gun away here and arrested Bronson. But maybe they did because for some reason this was a one fast ending. It was a fast ending, like the cut. But Bron- it looks like to me, doesn't look like Bronson's standing with his arms out, like like hey, cuff me. You know what I mean? Because the ending of the movie is that Bronson just ends up shooting the guy in point blank, which there was cops standing all around him, so if he would have missed, he would have shot a cop. <laughs> but, yeah. So but, luckily, he's a good shot. Yeah, he shot the guy in the head, instantly killed him, because the guy was saying, I'll I'll just say I'm crazy and get out, and then I'll find you, I'll find your daughter. So Bronson just like, this is the only way. So, I mean... It looks like Bronson's getting arrested here, it's, but everybody's just standing there like in a weird freeze frame, even though it's not a freeze frame. You know what I mean? It's like those those Leslie Nielsen's where they'd be freeze frame, but they'd still be moving. Yeah, that's exactly what was going on. <laughs> so yeah, so I mean, what did you think when you saw this ending, Corey? Because I was like, I think Bronson shouldn't have shot him because then Bronson's going to be the only one going to jail. Well, this guy basically got off easy for all his crimes he committed. I get that he had to shoot him because he's Bronson. But, yeah, in all honesty, it should have been the other cop finally done something and shot him. Well, I think, yeah, I think he shot him because he knew that fucker would eventually get out and eventually probably kill his daughter some way. Or just the fact that he was old. You know what I mean? Like, he probably would have died of old age and then the guy would have caught out and killed his uh, daughter. But I think in a weird way, there's supposed to be like a moral lesson there that Bronson fucked up by not putting him away the right way the first time. And then it's like, yeah, he had to kill him, but he had to kill him because like he basically fucked the case up so that guy would get away with his crimes. You know what I mean? I didn't read that far into it. I just figured Bronson had to shoot somebody. Well, I mean, that's the box office reason. I'm just trying to look into the themes and the euphemisms that... Jay Lee Thompson might have been trying to put in this naked killer movie. Should have had it where, hey, you know, my disc is, is my disc, is it over? Is it going to Kinjante? Because my line roared again. Nope, that's it. No, well, yeah, that's it. They were quick. You don't have, when you don't have all the CGI, end credits are pretty quick. No. That poster that they use for the DVD Photoshop is funny because I don't, like, first of all, Bronson never held that type of gun in the movie. And then, like I said, they showed the uh, the roommate girl who got killed behind him. And there's a bunch of explosions and fire in the back. There was never any fire in this movie. No. None at all. So, yes. Good movie. Yeah, I really liked this one. And when you were gone, I was saying I think I liked it more than you did. Probably. You know, don't get me wrong. I love how Death Wish 2 was action-packed. He was constantly, like, killing people. But there wasn't much variety in, in Death Wish 2 because, and I love Death Wish 2, but there wasn't much variety because it was pretty much just you know, the rapings happened and then he had to like walk around the slums until he could find those guys. Whereas this one they, you got to go back and forth between the like it had a lot of good characters to follow because you got to go back and forth between the cops and what Boyle was doing and his daughter, the nursing student, 
and you got to keep seeing what the crazy killer was doing. So I mean, I give this big this film props for it could have been like an easy eighty two minute, but you know they made it a good you know almost two hour movie with a lot of shit going on in it. You know, yeah, it had a lot no, more was... depth and variety than most of these movies. And it had a jerk off machine with a foot, <laughs> which which you know. I'm surprised there weren't more canon films that featured a, a jerk-off machine with a foot and all yeah, that. That would have set the box office on fire. Oh, I think so, too. So, yeah, that's it for Charles Bronson, 10 to Midnight. I liked it a lot. I hope, you know, I'm sure probably we have a bunch of people, you know, come to this show to, because they're 10 to Midnight fans and they want to hear us talking about the jerk-off machine and everything. Tell us your favorite uh, part of 10 to Midnight Email us at the 1980s movie graveyard at uh, gmail.com. Um, if not, if you haven't seen the movie, I hope this inspires people to track it down. I didn't look, but I'm sure it's probably on the YouTube, wouldn't you think? I don't know. I don't look on the YouTube. I know you can buy that in Kinjente Forbidden Subjects, a two pack on Amazon for six bucks. <laughs> exactly. And Kinjente is the really later day uh, Charles Bronson, like tail end of the revenge you know, era of his films or whatever that one will be coming up this year yeah at some point we got the we got the kinjitata for this. but i'm glad we got to you know in a way kind of follow the timeline wise you know the immediate follow-up to death wish 2 which is 10 to midnight that means we got to follow this up with death wish 3 that is true or it's or, coming <laughs> it's coming <laughs> so anyway fans again happy new year we, we we know it's going to be a great year when it comes to the movie graveyard-wise, but we hope it's a good year for you personally as well. Uh, we want to thank everybody for supporting us, downloading the show, commenting on the Facebook page, doing everything you do to support us. We appreciate it, and you know we're looking forward to doing a lot more for you guys. So that's all I have, Corey. Is there any final thoughts you want to leave the audience with? Nope, that's all I got too. Uh, um, you know, thanks for following us on facebook listening to the show you know just keep supporting us and we'll keep providing you free entertainment exactly i feel i feel like we should have a um like a moral lesson because bronson you know he paid the hard price we should have a moral lesson to end on but i don't think we really have one don't base your judgment on people due to their masturbation habits right because then you'll end up in the middle of the street, having shot a naked man and spending the rest of life in jail. Correct. All right, everybody. One, two, three, boyo. Well, that was good luck. It worked perfect this time. Yeah. I got mine to even work, even though I'm wearing a pair of gloves over here because it's so cold in Studio B. It's It's cold. What's the temperature at where you are? Um, well, I don't know. It was like 48 when I got off work, but then I took the trash out like an hour after I got work from home from work. And damn, I'm telling you, it dropped at least 20 degrees. It was crazy. It's 12 here right now. Okay. You got me beat because at the, at the lowest, it's probably 40 or 39 here. Oh, that's considered mild this time of year for us. All right. The movie just kind of like starts open cold here, don't it? With uh, and I thought this was actually interesting. Starts out, Boyo is um, Charles Bronson is typing up a report, and he's got a hopeless... uh, hang on, cousin. Yeah. Hang on, I started Kinjente. You started Kinjente. 
Pirates. Oh my god, how did you start Kinjite? I don't know. Alright.